welcome to Rocket with Chief, conversations to take you places. Today, we are diving into the world of HCM and how people are affected by uh, technology and the applications and how they are supported. Today's discussion is going to span the African continent. I'm really excited with our three guests from Oracle, being Oladari Angulade, Flora Kengete, and Ronnie Turin who I will get to introduce themselves as we go into the talk. So let us start with the ladies first, representing Oracle Flora. Won't you let us know what you do for the corporation and why you're on today's talk? Thank you very much, uh, Daniel. As uh, has been mentioned, my name is Flora Kangede. I'm the director for cloud applications. I'm covering uh, customer experience across East Africa and West Africa. And then I'm covering HCM, HR, as we mostly know it as out there, and ERP for East Africa only. Today, I'm really excited to, to be here due to the excitement around digitization and the efficiency cost benefits that many companies are already realizing and hope that we can be able to articulate some of these successes. Thank you. Thank you, Flora. And I love the color of your top. And when I think of your territory, I think of vibrant colors and I think of energy and I think of great food. So I'm really looking forward to it. Now, Flora, before we go on to the gentlemen, they can wait a bit. They can wait. Um, how long have you been with Oracle? So I've been with Oracle for two years and nine months. And before that, where were you before that? Before that, I was the country manager for SAP, uh, still covering software, but for East Africa. So applications is part of your DNA. This is what you do. This is where you've spent your time. Where did you go to school? Where did you grow up? So I, I, I grew up in Kenya. Technically, I grew up in Kenya, for, but for my further education, I did leave the country. I did my first degree in Zimbabwe, my amazing, amazing country at that time when I did it. And later I did IT consulting in Germany where I have a postgraduate diploma in IT consulting. I enjoyed Germany, traveled around the country, a very, very uh, wonderful experience. And then later back to Kenya and I've been settled here since then, it's been 23 years now. Wow, that is amazing. That, is a, that speaks of a long journey and you've come home. How yes. is Kenya doing post um, lockdown? Are you still in a lockdown environment or are restrictions easing up? Restrictions definitely easing up. In the beginning, it was terrible. We experienced a lot of deaths. It was really, really uh, actually quite worrying. But it's amazing how our government uh, really took it up very, very well in terms of awareness, creating that sensitivity to the market. It was extensive. We had daily reports and it was amazing how the people responded. I think when the pandemic came and we're looking at our healthcare systems are still under development, we thought that would be the end of it. But it's amazing how our government actually really and the, and the nation actually responded. So I must say that it is it would have been worse. We, it was definitely better than what I expected. The government moved in quite quickly. Private sector joined them in collaboration. And also the citizens. I never thought that you could get people, everyone to wear masks the way we did, especially in the remote areas, but actually they did. So we got an, a, a bit of that in control and now the restrictions are easing out. I'm so glad. I, I have to say my heart goes out to Nairobi. It's one of my favorite cities in the whole of the African continent. And especially a shout out to the border borders who got yes. me through all the traffic. I love spending time on the back of the Boda Boda and stopping at the markets for lunch. Nairobi yeah. just has an energy that infuses itself in technology and getting things done. And I can't wait to hear how HCM is, is coming across there and, and just permeating into the psyche of the people there. So we're going to talk around management. We're going to talk around all of that in a moment. But for now, we have to introduce the gentlemen whilst they're going to think, wonder why they are here. Oladari, uh, you are also part of, of the Oracle Corporation. Oladari, where are you based? Uh, thank you, Daniel, for having me. Um, I'm based out in Lagos, uh, nice sunny Lagos in Nigeria. The Copacabana of Africa. The longest Correct. trip that anyone has ever taken from the airport has to be from, from uh, Lagos Airport to the island. You, 
And do you sit in that traffic? Where are you based in in Lagos? I'm in big. I'm, I'm based five minutes away from the Oracle office. So thank God, I don't go into that traffic unless if I have to go uh, into the mainland um, during rush hour. And is work from anywhere, work from home, work from coffee shop, work from restaurant part of the Lagos culture? Is this part of Nigeria now or are we still office bound when it comes to your territory? You know, it's very interesting. If you asked me this same question two years ago, it wasn't um, because as an employer, you'd want to see your employees right in your face to be sure that they were working. But the lockdown changed that totally, where now we all had to spend time, everybody that was in some corporation or the other still needed to provide services to their customers. So now it has actually come to state, in my view. So if I look at my customer segment now, um, some customers, the low-level guys go to work every day because of what they do. But execs are doing two days in the office physically and three days working remotely uh, because they see they're more efficient. And um, at the end of the day, they still meet up their assigned targets and tasks. That's amazing. That's really good to know that we're embracing these changes. Do you see it coming back to um, being in the office or do you think we have changed irrevocably from, uh, um, um, from the past two years? I think, we, I think it's not going to come back. Primarily because if I look at it from a commercial standpoint, why do I need to, um, for example, as a, as a business, why do I need to get so much infrastructure in the office, I mean, physical space, when I can reduce it and have people come in in a controlled fashion? That's one. Two, because again, the fear of COVID, what it has shown us is even though the offices are open, we all can't go into the office at the same time. It has to be scheduled and controlled. So I, I believe that we're in an era where we're going to be in a hybrid mode for now and eventually we'll probably dovetail to more remote work as opposed to... Oladari, thank you so much. Um, you look after quite a big territory. What is the market um, standpoint at the moment? What's the sentiment that you are seeing out there with regards to businesses expanding, contracting, and spending money on IT? I think a uh, question. If I look at the three countries I cover, essentially Nigeria, Ghana, and um, Ivory Coast, um, those three markets from a GDP are in the top three, the top 10 fastest growing markets in Africa. And from an IT spend, we are still seeing continued investment in IT, um, those, three, those three countries. And when we look at the opportunity that COVID brought, COVID essentially, when I look, when I look at my business in Oracle, COVID allowed um, my customers to appreciate the need for actually digitizing as much as possible, thereby giving um, their workforce enough smart tools and intelligent tools to still be able to function um, properly as if they were in the office. So if I use um, a big bank, Name With Health, for example, we signed a deal with them in 2019 that it was a big struggle at, at the time. Post when COVID happened, it was actually that solution that kept the lights going um, during the period. Awesome. And um, businesses themselves, is there a positive outlook? I know that my perception of your region is that people work a lot and they never turn off. They've got three cell phones and they dive into it. Is are we, are we keeping busy for being busy or is there money trading hands and it's growing? It's growing. Um, obviously, some sectors are growing faster than others for obvious reasons. Uh, but if I look at it, from a financial services industry, from a telco industry, there's, there's still a lot of FDI coming into those regions. Governments are also realizing also that for them to access some of the programs the World Bank has, there's a mandate that they must start embracing some level of financial autonomy, which essentially is digitizing some of their processes. 
So the truth is, it is growing, just like I said, some segments are growing much faster than others. Excellent. Thank you. And how long have you been with the Big Red Beast? Uh, very long. I've actually been in Oracle now six years and three months. Six years. And through that, what have you done? What's your role always been? What does your mother um, think you do at Oracle? She thinks I'm smoking mirrors. Eh? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, um, I've been essentially in the applications team um, in all that period, I'm responsible for our back office now. Before it was both back office and front office, but essentially in this new year, I've just been focused on back office applications, essentially ERP and HCM at those three markets, Nigeria, Ghana, and Ivory Coast. Excellent. Thank you very much. And then we get to our lone South African, Ronnie Turin, who I've known for, for a very long time, since the hills were mountains. Hey, Ronnie. How are Absolutely. you doing today? Daniel, you know me, I'm always good. Yeah, it is true. You always have a positive outlook. Now, Ronnie, what is your title? I think it spans two books and um, and a small PowerPoint presentation. And an appendix to that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a, probably the longest title I've ever come across in my life. So officially, I am the Human Capital Management, Sales Development and Product Strategy Lead for Africa. Wow. And, and now you, I'm going to go and have a lie down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and now you, you look after um, the sales development for the continent in an HCM space, but you were restricted to South Africa for two years. So technology must be enabling your job on a day-to-day -day basis. Do you ever get away from the screen? Probably not. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't feel as if I ever get away from it. So. Um, although I'm based in South Africa, as I said, my role is, is Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, strictly speaking. Um, so I don't look after the, uh, the northern, typically French-speaking countries, although uh, Ivory Coast is French-speaking, uh, Mauritius is French-speaking, so I'm not really sure why they give me some French-speaking and, and not others. Um, but it's, it's sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and I think without the technologies that we have today, much the same as we're using um, you know, for this uh, broadcast, uh, life would have come to an absolute grinding halt without that. Mm. Uh, Ronnie, what's the best bit of being part of the HCM team? What is the thing that makes you wake up in the morning? What do you enjoy? H HCM as a topic in itself is what I enjoy. The, the products for me are more the enablers, but it's actually understanding HR, understanding people, understanding how to develop those people. So although officially the role is sales development, it's a lot about people development. How do I develop the people? How do I get what I need from those people? How do I get it out of them? How do I get them to be enthusiastic uh, about what it is that they do? So it's, it's really the HCM component that appeals to me and, and always has done. Awesome. Uh, Ronnie, I, I'm going to ask you quite a tough question just to, to kick us off as we dive into this discussion. You know, we, we had a, a series with people from over the continent where we were chatting about um, HCM and automation of businesses. Why would you buy an automated HCM solution, which is more than just payroll in today's struggling market, if you were the CFO, why would you sign off on that decision? So I think a lot of the time when, when I'm going and I'm speaking to various organizations and you go in and you speak to the CEO of a large corporation, and one of the things that they always tell you is that people are our most valuable asset. And I say to them, that's great. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. So tell me, this asset that you have, what do you do to look after that asset? What sort of strategy do you, time do you spend around the strategy of that particular asset? And it always scares me when typically the response is around about 20 minutes a month. And I think to myself, if people are your most valuable asset in there, surely you should be spending more time on that. And I think the problem that we have, as you say, it's not just about paying people, that's important. I understand that and making sure that they pay it on time. 
but it's really how do I get the value out of it? If this is my most important asset, I need to be looking after it and making sure that it is giving me the return on what it is that I'm investing in it. So it's it's really that area that we really need to be focusing on if we want to be true to people being our most valuable asset. So Flora, if we build on that, if our most valuable assets are our people, and we're talking about getting systems to enable our people and enable our, our recruitment people and our development people and, and the line managers, if you had to take a rating out of 10, one being completely manual, 10 being automated and using everything you can out of a system to look after our people, where would you say the average is for your territory when it comes to an HCM automation program? Where would you say our, our territories are on a rating? I would say um, on a territory level without uh, looking at the broad providers that are there, whether Oracle or any other competitor, I would say uh, 70%. One of the areas that they always start with automating for sure is the CoHR. We have many other companies that are, uh, I mean, solutions for, for many companies actually. And our biggest competitor actually are these bespoke companies. So the awareness and the value around it is quite high. And um, I would say easily 70% in the, what I call medium to large enterprise space. So understand the value of this, and especially in, in hotbeds for technology, like uh, where you are based, people know that they need to be able to track their people. What are the biggest challenges that, you, that companies have by going on bespoke solutions versus a suite such as an Oracle environment? Yeah, and I'd like to touch on what Ronnie was saying. Many companies do say that uh, employees are their biggest asset. But actually, when they look into the details, they say that employees are the largest cost. And whenever there's a cost cutting in that organization, the first thing they want to cut off is actually employees. So the challenge that we have is around the mindset of, of HR. HR, I say, does not have a seat on the board. Very few companies have HR represented at the board level because they don't see HR as a direct investment or incremental of, of revenue or increase in, in their business. They see HR as a cost. And this is a mindset that we're struggling with. And this is why, though the many companies, uh, I speak in my region, understand the value of HR, they don't want to spend that extra dollar. So they are looking for these bespoke companies to give them at what they call best cost effective because they feel they cannot calculate the return on value because they cannot, they see employees as a cost. Wow, 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 wow. So we see them as a direct cost and not seeing the positive side where we are, are making returns for the organization. I think people talk around how amazing people are, but when it comes to brass tax, Maybe it's easier to see them as a cost. Sure. And that must be quite a hindrance from a perspective of their growth potential behind it. Ronnie, are you seeing companies that are, are um, actually getting the analytics out there? Are they using analytics sufficiently to back up what Flora is saying to say, hey, these people are actually adding to the bottom line? So I think analytics is becoming more and more important. Are we seeing enough of it? Probably not. I think there's a lot more we can do around it. Um, I, th I think what's happening is that we, we are still, from an HR perspective, of the mindset that we need to report on certain things that happen within the HR world. So what is my cost of recruiting? What is my turnover? What is my uh, um, cost of, of learning and things like that? And we focus on, on the cost aspect, as Flora said, we see it as a liability within the organization and not the asset. I think what the analytics is doing is it's saying, let's have a look and see where we are and where we want to be and how do we actually get there? And I think as soon as you start using the analytics properly, not just as a reporting tool, but as a true analytical tool to start being a little bit predictive and even prescriptive in terms of what it is that we want to get to, I think that's when you're going to start seeing the value being added. And I think organizations are starting to see this because we, we've gone through waves of this. We started off with the 
um, the whole financial thing where we started doing financial analytics. And then we went into supply chain where we were starting to do a whole lot of analytics around there. And I think HR is on the, the third wave, if you like, of this thing. People are starting to realize if I want to actually extract the value, I need to start analyzing what it is that I'm actually getting, what is the value, the, the human capital value that I'm actually getting, and start looking at how do I grow that. And I think we, we're moving in that direction, but the movement is going a little bit slowly. But Flora, don't we get this out of Excel? I wish, uh, I mean, let me tell you, a lot of uh, people in the organizations when we were do, implementing uh, these uh, projects are still stuck on their on the Excel sheet. And the reality is that the Excel sheet is not sufficient. Looking at where we are today, where we're on real-time environment, we have systems that are inbuilt with artificial intelligence to calculate the critical uh, information that, uh, that we need. So for sure, Excel, uh, I mean, it has value, but not for the level of acceleration of information that we need in order to make decisions. Um, Oladari, you've been sitting there very nicely watching us play ping pong between Ronnie and Flora. Do you see analytics playing a part in, in the transformation of the organization? Is there, do you think there's a new way that our managers should be using this information? Absolutely, because when you, for example, as an organization, when you, if our employees uh, are greatest asset, we need to start looking at the data we are collecting about the employees to see how we can actually improve things like employee engagement and employee experience. Because once we start basically engaging them at that level, it allows us to get the best out of the people. Bearing in mind, when we now turn that around to look at the best companies to work for in the world, what makes them great? It's not necessarily the product they have. Is the people because they like the organization, they like the culture, and um, work is fun. So, what are they doing right that we can copy? And all that comes around things like around employee engagement, employee experience, and that is what the analytics should be the starting point, in my view, to get that going. Awesome. Awesome. That's great to think about. I think that, um, you know, we see these flashing lights and and um, shining um, uh, pictures on an analytics environment. We think that's going to change our organization. But there's actually an, a, a transformation in culture that we need to take on, isn't it? This workforce management at the heart of HCM, Ronnie, isn't it workforce management? What do you think an enterprise HCM's aim, objective, and purpose is for the business in your mind? Up until now has, has pretty much been around workforce management. But again, we need to start looking, going back to the, the, the term that I used a little bit earlier around people being assets. It's not just about managing the people, making sure that they arrive at work on time, that they come back from lunch on time, that they don't leave before official closing time and things like that. Managing people like that is, is counterproductive, I think. And, and you know, to Dari's point, we need to be looking at engagement. How do I get my employees to engage? And I think in order to do that, the analytics helps us to start identifying trends. What are the things that people want out of their career? What aspirations do they have? Um, what, what is it that they aspire to? Who are the people that they look up to? What makes a successful salesperson or um, uh, accountant or whatever the case may be? So that we can start analyzing these things to say, if I want everybody to be a top salesperson, I need to start analyzing what is the definition or what is our understanding in our organization of that? And then I can start building towards that rather than just doing people management as such. I think that term is, is antiquated. Um, it's really about engaging people, getting people to put that extra effort in there. Then I think you're starting to make progress. If you're just managing, um, and, and I think what has happened with the, COVID, the, the pandemic that we had as a result of COVID, is that we've had to move away from this micromanagement concept into trusting the people, giving them um, 
almost an authority to go ahead and make their own decisions. And that in, in itself inspires people to put that extra effort in. Mm. So I think we need to move away from, you know, just basic workforce management as a concept. You know, when I think about workforce management, for me, it's about time and labor. Have you clocked in on time? Have you clocked out early? Have you arrived at work or not? That's, that's management of workforce. That's not adding value to the organization. So, so we've seen that people have been um, quite productive over this time. And I, I think there's dips and there's different camps that we're in. And, and um, Oladari, I think this is for you. Do you think that um, we are, are in a state where we can say systems can help us manage people that they can work from anywhere? Is that a true or false statement? And how do you see it working post this pandemic um, where a lot of people are being forced back to the office? Um, I think it's true. The systems can actually help us um, do our jobs better and do it better from anywhere um, we're legally allowed to work. I use that word legally because I can work from home, but I may not necessarily be allowed to work from home in the UK. Um, so coming back to uh, how this will help us, the pandemic, like I said, has actually convinced management because I think when I look at my markets, the problem has always been management. The management felt that, look, work is all about waking up, having a bath, eating breakfast, and physically going to work. But when we look at even the generational shift now, the millennials don't want to come to a physical building. They want to work. They just want to have access to the tools to work from anywhere. And we need a system that puts everybody in place to ensure, one, we can collaborate, i.e. share information. And two, as managers, we can manage our employees better um, with, with those systems in place. So, to my, so in, my honest, in my honest opinion, having that transformation in place allows you essentially to open up your organization to possibilities, i.e. people can work from wherever you want them to work, but also putting that governance and cadence to ensure that they're delivering on assigned tasks, but you're also, you're also interacting with them to see what else, what are the things they want you to do to be able to allow them to do their jobs better. So for mm. example, during mm. lockdown, some of us complained that we are not used to working from home for extended periods. So we are told to go to our chairs from work because our chairs are designed to sit in for longer hours. And that was as a result of feedback we gave the organization. Sure, I like that. Um, uh, Flora, another tough question. Do you think management is ready to manage a workforce from anywhere? Do you think we have modernized our management practices to enable that? so that we can have spread out teams and still get the productivity that we are required. And I'm not talking about your startup unicorns, which are very different. I'm talking about our traditional businesses, banking. I'm talking about uh, um, customer service environments. I'm talking about government environments. Yeah, I like, I like the way you've categorized it because we need to look at the different categories. If you look at your technology companies, for example, the likes of Safari, I mean, the likes of Oracle, SAP, I mean, we've been working in this mode for time immemorial. This is uh, the fact that the companies decided to go global. They had to understand how to put systems and tools uh, that can be able to enable that kind of remote working. So we, we've been like that for, for many years, if I talk about technology companies. But coming, coming down to probably my market, my environment, if I look at public sector, no, they're not. They're still very, very traditional around you physically being in the office. And if you're not in the office, you are not working. If you don't clock in, you are not working. And I remember even in one of the major banks here, government banks that we have, the, 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 the CEO made it his agenda that everybody must get vaccinated. And it was a big issue in the, in the social world that you cannot compel everyone to be vaccinated. But why was he thinking like that? Because he still cannot imagine that people can work from home and be able to be impactful and be able to deliver on what they're expected. So this is still, uh, I believe the pandemic did bring acceleration 
definitely. And we saw some companies coming in and saying, well, this time around, it is a, it's a global issue. It's not only about what we think locally. And we saw many companies adopting to that. And I remember even in the banking sector, they declared that their competition today, their customers today are anywhere and everywhere. So it's competition of platform. So we saw one of the senior CEOs in one of the leading banks during the pandemic declaring that now it's competition of platforms. So if you look at the FSI industry, the private sector, that, that is something that they are open to. But I still find the government, it will take them a long time, some, uh, some governments. I was in um, Ethiopia the whole of uh, last week and the prime minister has uh, declared that in the next two years, the government offices must be paperless. So it needs to be directed by the government. There needs to be agility in accepting that from the government. Then the people can be able, then they can be able to, the policymakers can be able to develop policies that provide that. But for example, even though I do enjoy working from home, I do, I do feel that we are experiencing a lot of health health situations, a lot of stress because we're sitting for longer hours. The policies are not yet ready or mature even for the HR policies to accommodate that. And I think this also is an area that pre, uh, creates an opportunity. How can you make this sustainable? I remember myself when I started working from home, I got something called tinnitus. Tinnitus is where you just hear things ringing and buzzing in your ear because I learned that the earphones we're using were not designed for us to use them long-term. So today I can't put earphones in my, in my ears and I'm just a statistic. So I think that it is good. We have seen the impact of being remote. We've seen what it means for our businesses, but we have to remember the impact it has on human resources from a health perspective, the policies need to take a balance so that policies need to kick in so that we can have an educated way of making this sustainable. You know what's going through my mind while you're talking is, have we prepped our managers for the tool sets that they've got? Do you know, if you, if you give someone a Formula One car, they're not necessarily going to be able to drive it. Ronnie, what is our automation that's built into the system do to help your average line manager be a better manager from an HCM perspective? So I would probably say the, the most important component that we have from our systems is the ability to communicate on an ongoing basis. I think communication is, is key um, and having the manager able to communicate with their staff is, is probably the most important thing for them to get that understanding of where we are Am I feeling stressed? Am I under pressure? You know, what am I actually feeling? So having that communication, I think, is important. And the tools are there to provide us with that. But if we look at it, not just from a managerial perspective, people need to communicate with others. We're very social by nature. Um, so, you know, we need to have that communication. So, again, if we build in and, and within our HCM suite at, at Oracle, we have something called Connections where people can connect with each other, they can connect with subject matter experts, they connect with their managers, they have conversations and they do that electronically, whether it's via their smartphone or uh, WhatsApp or whatever the case may be, the tools that they are comfortable using in their personal lives are what we're bringing to our systems now. So that people have that ability in there. And once you start having that communication capability, you have a better understanding of where you are what your employees are doing, where they are, where they want to be, and how can you actually help them to do that? So I think that's probably one of the the key areas that um, that the technology is actually helping from a systems perspective. Um, you know, we're moving to a almost a a, a featureless uh, HCM environment where you don't need to go and log on to a system and go through all of the, the different steps and screens to get to where it is that you want. You pick up your phone, you ask it a question using a digital assistant, it does all of the background um, investigation and it comes back with the answer that you're actually looking for. So almost that um, you know touchless uh, HCM environment, I think that's um, another area that is really coming to the fore that people are looking at and saying, this just makes my life so much easier. I don't have to learn a whole new system. I don't have to understand complex navigation. All of that is happening in the background for me. And that's where the AI comes in and starts playing a part. Wow. 
But now, Oladari, doesn't that make me redundant as a, an HCM operator? If we've got a robot to do this, do you need me to do my job? If you've got an automation AI engine that can do the thinking, do you need me behind the keyboard? Absolutely. You should need me because what AI does is that a simple task that will take me 20 minutes with AI now, I can do it quicker and um, faster because it brings in the intelligence and the automation um, into the work itself. So AI would not make me redundant because you still have to interact as a person uh, with one another. But what AI just brings is it just brings that native um, intuitive to make work easier and faster. Have you got, have you got um, references for us where it's working today? Flora, I know you, you're at the tech center there. Do you have any example of it? Have you used it yourself or is it still in science fiction books and Ronnie's pre-sales deck? No, we're, we're already using it even within Oracle, already doing it. Uh, we have one of our big telcos here. They already use the, the chat box types of uh, engagement. Oh. So this is, this is already happening actually. It's been happening actually for a while. What we are really focusing on is to increase adoption among more and more companies and, and, uh, and increase its usage so that uh, the, the companies can leverage the opportunities that uh, Darry is talking about what someone can do in, in one hour, they could now start making the employees efficient and do it in, in less time. This is really mm. what the focus is today. Why are we doing the manual repetitive tasks when a robot can do it for us and we can do the sexy stuff? Is that what you're saying, Flora? Sorry, so what, what I'm saying is that this is already, when you're talking about the artificial intelligence and mm. automating this task, this is already happening. This is what mm. I was emphasizing. What we need to do is to increase and support more and more companies to adopt it and to, in order to accelerate it. Ronnie, you wanted to add to that? So what I wanted to say on that is, is going back to what I said originally is about focusing more on the strategic side of human capital management, being able to, to, to actually look at the strategy. How is the strategy of our talent in the organization driving our business going forward. Now, if I'm spending all of my time doing this repetitive, redundant, uh, manual work, I'm, I don't have the time to actually do that. So by using the systems to actually take up that, those, those mundane, routine uh, tasks, A, a lot quicker, but doing it in the background allows me as the manager or as the CEO of my organization to actually spend more time focusing on the strategy. So it's an increase in the maturity level of the organization. We were talking about workforce management a little bit earlier. We need to step up from that and start looking at how do we drive the strategy of the business? Where is it that we as a business want to be and how do our people help us get there? Then you are starting to talk about the true value of these most important assets in your there's a lot to think about there Ronnie. from a perspective of where are we from a management perspective actually um spending time in the hcm space do you think we're well versed enough on the possibilities of hcm do you think that uh, this great resignation is driving the sea levels to spend more time in the hcm sphere or do you still think it's second cousin lower left corner so I think, you know, a lot of people talk about the great resignation. And for me, what it really comes down to is a great awakening where people are realizing that if we don't change what it is that we're currently doing at the moment and start waking up to the changes that are, are happening, A, as a result of the industrial, the fourth industrial revolution that everybody talks about, the changes that are being imposed on us as a result of the pandemic going through, the changes in the, the new generation that is coming to the workplace. If we're not changing and staying where we are, we're going to be left behind. So we need to be looking at that change and how do we adopt that change? How do we embrace that change as management? And I think that is going to be the differentiator between those organizations that are successful and those organizations that are not. And part and parcel of that whole uh, change is is moving this transformation that everybody keeps on talking about the digital transformation that needs to happen in order to be able to accommodate all of these things that I spoke about.
Well, Adari, if, um, if you were speaking to a room full of business leaders, what would the two points of emphasis on people management and the systems behind it be for you? Uh, number one, it has to be all about how can they increase the level of um, employee engagement and how much they're willing to put in a system that takes the average employee life cycle from hire to retire. And secondly, what kind of, um, and this is very tricky, because when I talk about rewards, I'm not just talking about compensation now, but mm -hmm. what kind of total reward system do we have visibility to um, that we can actually adopt and they have to wow. come to work so the environment is not necessarily, you can't leave a baby and come to work. So how can we make it easy and pay um, for the women? So we created a room essentially that allowed nursing mothers bring their babies to work. And even when we did an office refurbishment, that room could not be moved. The room had to stay because it had come as our DNA. So essentially that came because we listened, we heard, and we essentially um, acted on it. So as a CEO, as, as an executive of any organization, if you want to do ambitious things, you're going to have, you're going to need people to do it. And the people need to be engaged. They need to be inspired and they need to be motivated. And you need a system that allows you to drive that employee engagement on a continuous basis Mm. that gives you that opportunity to do those um, targets you set for yourself as a company. I mean, awesome. just taking you back a bit, if I look at what Flora said earlier, before HR managers used to report to finance managers, not even CFOs, but now organizations have to realize that HR is important. HR must have a seat on the table because the big, the transformational companies today have the employee employee welfare at the forefront. Thank you. And uh, Aladari, that is an awesome answer, which leads into what I want to ask Flora. Flora, um, um, talking around employee experience like we were last week, we were talking about the great immigration, not even the great resignation, which we're experiencing from an African continent. Our people are leaving for shores for other places to work, they're being poached by countries that will rename nameless. If you were speaking to youngsters now from an HCM perspective, what would your message be about staying on this continent and practicing their art? Yeah, for sure, uh, that is definitely um, unfortunate. However, if you look at Africa, this is where the greatest development is going to happen. This is where the double digit growth is going to happen. And I would encourage them to, to know that they are whatever challenges we're having today, we're looking up to them as a young people to educate the older generation that probably has been there and as a traditional look to how employees are managed, how people are managed, because the, the, the focus is the growth in Africa. This is where it is happening. I like to give this example, like I was in Ethiopia last week. For many, many years, Ethiopia only had one monopoly, one provider for their telecom, for their telecom. It was done by the government. And many times the internet will be switched on and off due to security threat, whatever the situations are. But today they have realized that they cannot be left behind and they've opened the market for other international vendors to come in. They're doing the same for the banking industry. Now, this is a, a country that has 120 million people. And mm -hmm. one of the big the countries that is receiving the highest amount of what you call donor funding from the World Bank, that in itself translates to opportunities for digitization, for development. So it's really the wrong time to, to leave Africa. If, if I was an Ethiopian, there are very many, many Ethiopians in, in the diaspora. But today, if I see what I saw the government is doing last week and opening up their market, this is really the time for them to continue to be here and be a part of the change and be a contributor to make the change. So if you if you were in charge of your foreign direct investment off uh, the continent of Europe or of America, is this the continent you would be investing in right now? 
Oh yes, this is a continent I'll be develop. Uh, I'll be working in. I mean, look look at London. Unless there's a war to bring down those walls, where are you going to start building the latest developments? Remember, some of these countries, the reason why they jumped into, into, into development because there was war that brought down the old uh, building. But today we're not in a world where war is something that is easily accommodated to destroy properties and, and buildings. Now, when you look at Africa, these buildings actually don't exist. The land is there, but the buildings don't exist. So this right. is why the development is happening here. If I just look at infrastructure, there are no roads. If you go to Europe today, the roads are there, they exist. But if you come to Africa, we still have Maram Road in a large, uh, a large part of the continent. So that in itself is a potential that exists in, in Africa. So it's really premature for anyone to, to be leaving. I have my son who's 18 and he's finishing his uh, last year of, 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 of of high school and i was very very surprised and i said to him so where do you want to go to to university which country do you want to go to so in my mind i am still sometimes a bit traditional around you get better education in the uk in america and he said to me mommy no i want to be in africa this is where it's going to happen so we are already having younger generation realizing that the development is actually happening to africa and he says i want to school in africa so that i can be here when it is all happening mm. Oh, preach it, sister. Preach it. I like it. So let's get on to, um, you know, we're winding down our time now. I want to ask Ronnie, uh, you sitting closest to the headquarters uh, in your role, you're, you're privy to some of the things coming down the line. What are you most excited for from this sweet release in the next six months to a year from an HCM perspective? Is there any exciting announcements coming? So I think a lot of the announcements have probably been made already, but some of the things coming down the line that a lot of people are, are looking forward to, first and foremost, is our dynamic skills. Um, and I think this is going to be an important area for people to start looking at uh, in terms of understanding, going back to what I said a little bit earlier, if I'm driving my organization, what is it that I need to drive that organization? And then using the dynamic skills to understand what is it that I currently have in place and is what I have in place again to allow me to meet that or what interventions do I need to take in order to be able to achieve that. So dynamic skills is, is one of the areas that I think is going to be a big, big focus for us going forward. Um, another area that, that we're spending a lot of time developing and, and, and rolling out in, in, in larger and larger degrees is this whole idea of journeys and i think you know we, we've had this concept for for a while you know of everything that you do as you progress through your career is a journey of some form or another and what we're doing is we're looking at, at facilitating these journeys to say um you know a, a bad example if i need to return to the office we're going back out of lockdown and we're all going back to the office what are the things that i need to have in place do i need to be vaccinated do I need to um, bring extra facilities in for testing at the offices? You know, what is the uh, procedure spacing, uh, you know, where the desks are and things like that. So all of these things get put into a journey of sorts so that I can say, all right, I'm going on this particular route. This is what I'm going to do. And the system is there to help facilitate me through this particular process. And those journeys can be a whole lot of different things um, to look Where at. Where do we find out more about journeys? Just on the Oracle website? It is on the Oracle website already. It is one of the modules that we have. And interestingly enough, we've expanded our journeys, um, not only for to, to facilitate HCM journeys, but also into the ERP space as well. And we'll be looking to move that into other areas as well. So those are two of the exciting things that I think are coming down the line. They, they are already available, but um, the uptake has been, you know, people are starting to become aware of it. And uh, as you say, go onto our website and you'll find more about it. Thank you, Ronnie. That's that's awesome. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Oladari, as a, a final point, what is your focus for this year? Where are you? Yeah, what's your drive into the market? Well, my drive is going to be for the customers that we have recorded success with, keep on driving adoption and at the same time, leverage them as references for the customers who are at the beginning of the journey to the adoption of cloud technology as it were. So those are gonna be what I'm gonna be focusing on. We've had successes 
that permeates public sector, financial services, and manufacturing. But it's not just having those small numbers, it's how can we now replicate um, across the board um, in the three markets. Awesome. Thank you very much for spending this afternoon with us. Flo, Rose Amongst the Thorns, what is your biggest challenge this year? That I think the, the, the biggest challenge that I've seen in our market is around adopting and transforming the organization. So we find a lot of companies, yes, they buy into it, they buy the solution, but the actual mindset change to adopt to the way we would like them to use the system, that is still falling behind. So I still find that many times when we're in the project mode, the customers are taking us back to automate their inefficiencies. They are not adopting the new ways of working that we are proposing. So it sounds very good when we are positioning it to them and they see the benefit and the value. But when it comes to nuts and bolts of actually adopting and transforming, we're seeing a lot of resistance. So more and more, we are asking companies to restructure the organizations and to put transformation managers, change managers as part of the digitization framework in order to enable this change in mindset and accelerate their return on investments. It doesn't help to buy a racing car and then drive it over the four by four track. Exactly. Buy a racing car, drive it on the racing track. I'm, exactly. I understand that. Uh, Flora, Oladari, Ronnie, thank you very much for spending an hour with us chatting. And um, you know, when we spoke to your customers last week and we were discussing HCM diversity inclusion, we were talking about development of people, you know, the system is mentioned so seldom. And that for me says uptake is good. When people are not talking about the system, it means they're using the system. When they are talking about the system, it means it's an inhibitor. And I was very excited to hear so many philosophical HCM things in the mainstream. And that's because we've got big players in the HR space that are talking around these enablement um, technologies that you're bringing to market. I'm excited for your next year. I'm excited for you to um, be transforming customers and transforming the way HCM is perceived because only through the data are people gonna understand the big impact that people have. So from my side, I'd like to thank you again for the third time for being here and for educating me on your side, Ronnie, Oladari, Flora. Good luck for the rest of this quarter, the rest of the half year and for the year. From my side, Daniel Robus, I'm going to sign off and say have an amazing week further. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.